Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast. This is Mark Uessa. And this is Daniel Winter. This is episode nine of the Omni Gamers podcast. We are talking today about the board game Cascadia. And we're very pleased to announce that we actually have some guests with us today. The first time guests on this show. Well, the first time we've had any guests on this on this podcast. And that is Tyler and Ilya from Cobray, just one one province over in uh, Alberta there. So welcome. Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, we're neighbors, province neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're technically quite in Cascadia though, right? I think you're like, it's on the on the outskirts. <laughs> on the outskirts. Yeah, we didn't yeah. quite make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honorary Cascadians, we'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. We're really pleased to have you on. I think you're going to lend an air of a professionalism to what we've been <laughs> lacking so far. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> We're very excited to be here, though. And what a perfect game to talk about, too. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to congratulate you on a, a year anniversary, I think, of your YouTube channel. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. That's a great achievement. Yeah, we've learned a lot throughout the process. It's been very... I actually can't believe a year has gone by. It feels like we started <laughs> kind of just putting a camera up and trying to piece things together just last week. So, I'm impressed by the cheer and the positivity you bring to the the content that you put out there. It's very uh, inspirational. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Not to mention all the all the, the the pet pictures too, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pet pictures uh, make everybody's day. So <laughs> exactly. Should we roll into the uh, what you've been playing? Yeah, who who wants to to start us off? Tyler, I heard that you've been it, it, it is, it's something that you've been playing lately. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about it a little. It's it's not a board game, but um, Pokemon. No, we, we have no we have no uh, exclusions here. <laughs> oh, we take we take it all. Um, I like Nintendo Switch. Playing the Nintendo Switch all the time, so Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl just came out. So I've been spam playing that game and absolutely loving it, but. The past couple of days, I've been um, shiny hunting for one of the oh, legendary no. <laughs> Pokemon. And every single time I start doing this, I just look back and I'm like, what am I putting myself through? <laughs> but as soon as I get it, I know I'll just be like, yep, this is perfect. Is, is there a particular shiny you're looking for? Uh, yeah, the legendary that I'm looking for right now is um, Dialga. And it, I think the odds are like one in 4,000. Oh, well. <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> He's been resetting a lot. It's been painful to even watch. God, I know how <laughs> We usually just like watch a um, like an anime or another TV show mm. in the background, and like it's super easy to just like press A. <laughs> so uh, yeah, multitasking game. Exactly. What, what, um, what generation is that one? Uh, Gen four. Gen four. Okay, because I, I was yeah. big into Pokemon like one and two. I like I was I had I think I had the original Silver. Um, but I just have dropped off beyond that, so I'm not particularly familiar with, uh, with those generations. Gen 2 is my favorite. I think the <laughs> jo- the Johto League, like that game series, was just like superior to all. But I mean, I might be stepping in dangerous territory by saying that. <laughs> Could be controversial. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure Ilya can speak more to the board games we've been playing, because I don't think there's any games we particularly play without each other. <laughs> Anything particular you want to, to talk about, Ilya? I think the one that stands out, if we've been playing quite a bit lately, is Cuphead. So it's Ooh. a new game, Cuphead the Fast Rolling Adventure, I believe, from the op. And it's based on the platformer. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with it. Uh, I, I literally just started it like two days ago. 
amazing. Well, the I actually haven't played the video game, but I heard it's very notoriously like very tough, impossible, yeah. like almost. And the board game actually quite rivals that. We thought we go in, we like we went on like you know we're seasoned board gamers. We can do the hard <laughs> mode. We can do this. We got obliterated. Right off the bat. <laughs> so we're like we're gonna go medium difficulty and still like it's. It's really so essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to beat various bosses by rolling dice fast, assigning those dice to various symbols because you got to aim for them and eventually deal some damage as well. And the tricky aspect is you don't always get the dice that you roll, and you'll <laughs> and the medium you get between 10 and 20 seconds. So we started with 10, too tough, went to 15, <laughs> and even then, like you still don't get some. But what I love about the game is after every there's eight levels, eight phases, eight boxes. After every level, there's a letter grade that gets assigned to you of how well you did, depending on the circumstances. And we've been C, C minus the whole <laughs> way through. Although we just played around today and we got an A minus, and that was beyond what we could achieve. <laughs> nice. So hopefully we're on the upward track and hopefully we're improving, but it's a very tough game. Yeah, I've been enjoying the the video game, but those those grading those gradings at the end like give me so much stress. I always like I'm not a fan of games that like grade you and like, give you a mark. Just flashbacks to high school days. Oh yeah, <laughs> is it as difficult as like? Is it a pretty tough game? It, it is absolutely difficult. It, it takes like half dozen attempts or so for the first few bosses. I think it ramps up quite a bit from there. So uh, we'll see if I if I keep at it. But I mean, I just love. The, the animation style, it's just so well designed. Everything is, yeah. there's so, so much detail in, in, in those animations. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I think now that we've played the board game, I'm very keen on trying a video <laughs> game as well, which is how that's how they get you. You play one or the other and you get the other one. <laughs> I think there's like a cooperative mode that might make things a little easier. You can sort of rescue each other. So maybe that's something I you think can there's a about. TV show coming out as well. So yeah, they got the whole yeah. media yeah. gamut. But yeah, I'm other than that, we've been playing... <laughs> A few other games here and there, some Merchants Cove, some Cascadia, and some others. But awesome. how about Daniel? What have you, you been playing? Uh, well, I was going to talk about, since we're talking about a pretty pretty relaxing, chill game, I've been playing a video game that falls in the same vein as that called Unpacking. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was come, come, it came through Humble Games. I, know, I think the, the developer was Witch, Witch Beam, I think it's called. But it's also on Game Pass, uh, so you can play for free there. And it's basically like a, a, a profile view of a room. So you might, or a room or, or several rooms. It might have a bedroom, kitchen, living room, and there'll be a whole, a whole bunch of boxes. Someone's just moved into this house. There's some furniture there and a bunch of boxes, and you're taking out one item at a time and finding somewhere to put it. And huh? there's very little, like, it doesn't push back much at all. Sometimes there'll be a restriction. Oh, this has to go in the kitchen or it has to go in a specific shelf in the kitchen. But generally it's just, you have some agency as to where you want to put it and have a little bit of, just build a little story <laughs> to, to yourself. Cool. But you're painting from the perspective of one person over several years, over 20 or so years, basically like f the first wow. time they're moving out for university, the first time moving in with housemates, the first time with, uh, a boyfriend and so you're seeing this person over, over the years and it's, there's so much clever little world building like the items that they choose to keep or you you, you suddenly disappear uh, like the hobby you can track their hobbies like this one time they, for this two-year period they were really into rock climbing and then you never see that rock climbing <laughs> gear again <laughs> and but, I mean it also tracks pretty 
closely to like the years I was going through these same phases. So it, like within Ooh. a year or two, it, like maps onto my experience pretty closely. So I may have been a little <laughs> up in my feelings, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was it was good fun. That sounds amazing. I <laughs> am such a like nerd for organizing things. Oh yeah, I feel yeah. like we Tyler will attest. I'll reorganize our board game collection anytime I feel stressed. <laughs> So I feel like that wow. game is very up my alley, and I'm definitely going to have to check it out after we get off here. <laughs> it's, a, it's only a few hours long. It's a nice little little bite-sized experience. Oh, wonderful. Uh, it, it seems like a sort of a Zen garden type exercise, right? Basically, like a, yeah. Something has a perfect place where it can go. Funny thing about that game is that I have it, uh, obviously, because I, I play Game Pass as well. But everyone in my family has played it before me somehow. <laughs> my seven-year-old, my nine-year-old and my wife are all playing that game and I haven't cracked it once yet. And so I, I guess it does have some cross cul- uh, cross generational appeal. It's yeah. not just for, for your generation or our generation, Daniel. Um, uh, well, I did, I did say that was, it was attractive. Some pushback with uh with kids playing it and having no idea what the game consoles were like is they, is they, have, they have a gamecube right and what is is this like a rice cooker what, what is this cube <laughs> just they gonna go toss in this the into kitchen. the kitchen yeah right they think it's a bread maker or something <laughs> <laughs> awesome well i'm gonna dive into my game really quickly because it's nothing like any of the games mentioned so far the game i've been playing uh, recently is called greedfall It's also on Game Pass, and it's been something I've been meaning to try out for a while. It's a role-playing, fantasy role-playing game set in the world of magical colonialism. Take that for what you will. So you're charged with joining your cousin to venture to the new world, which is this island where magical stuff is happening, and you're, you're going to encounter the people there, and then there's giant beasts rolling around the colonial powers of our world, but they're venturing into this magical place. And, you know, that something about that seemed like a cool twist on a setting that most role-playing games don't tackle, right? Mm -hmm. It's always fantasy medieval period, isn't it? It's never fantasy age of discovery or age of industry. (laughs) It's technically very impressive, unlike some really popular games like Skyrim, or even the outer worlds. It uh, has cutscenes where there's actually like cinematic uh, camera perspectives. The dialogue is really sharp. The world building is great. Every room seamlessly loads into another. There's no load screens at all. So you walk in a building, you're walking into every single room. There's no load screens. The draw distance is amazing. You can see from the top of the hill down to the bottom by the pier. So technically it's super impressive. I just made it to the new world and I'm just trying out some new quests. I haven't even gotten to the open world part of it yet where it really opens up, but it already has some cool morality choices involved. So I'm really interested to see how it uh, is involved. And they're, they're hinting at the fact that you, the protagonist might be somehow related to the natives of this magical island. So I don't know. I'm a little intrigued. That sounds super interesting. I've always loved open world games. I feel like I, the fact that you don't (laughs) have to have a load screen, you can just explore it. Well, there's something about it that draws me in as well. For sure. Super evocative. 
Mm -hmm. I've had a real hankering for a big open world RPG lately, so that's that's been on my list to check out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really hoping that it's it doesn't take the colonialism too far. That's that's the one thing I, I've heard it it, it, it it at least tackles those themes, whereas a lot of games just sort of gloss over that and sort of glorify those elements. This at least tries to tackle those political angles, but not necessarily stick the landing. But We'll see. <laughs> yeah, so far it's been really progressive about some things, like the fact that there are people of all different skin tones and gender roles are very, very broad and wide open from what I've seen so far. So in, in those regards, it's good. But, you know, I've only played a couple of hours so far. We'll see. Excellent. Why don't we take a quick break and then we'll jump into our featured game. Okay, so the game we're talking about today is called Cascadia. It came out in 2021, so it's brand new. And it's by designer, uh, a fairly close by designer, a Cascadia resident, you might say. <laughs> Designers by the name of Randy Flynn. And the art, of course, is by Beth Sobel. Uh, it is beautiful, as always. Uh, the publisher is, well, it's actually co-published by Flat Out Games and AEG, or uh, Alderac, I guess is their, their full name. Uh, so this is, of course, a tile-laying game. It's drafting tiles and tokens and putting them into a little personal grid. And... The theme, of course, being the, the Cascadia, our, our backyard for Mark and I, at least, and the various habitats and animals that that, that take part of that. So, uh, Mark, did you want to lead us off from there? Yeah, I just wanted to say that I believe uh, Beth Sobel is also a Cascadia resident. She lives yes. in Bellingham, which is just south of the U.S.-Canada border. So, hello to Beth uh, also. <laughs> So we usually started off by saying, what kind of game is this? So uh, maybe maybe we'll open this up to the whole crew, but I'll just say, you know, what kind of game is this? It's um, drafting. Basically, you're drafting for, for, for both tiles and you're drafting for these special tokens, which sort of affect your point scoring going forward. So um, Ilya, do you want to continue on and say what type of game this is? Yeah, so it's a tab, not necessarily a tableau building, but you'll be building a map of your own Cascadia with these hexagon tiles, which makes it quite exciting. And not in this one, you're not necessarily matching certain types, but the edges do matter if you do match them because you'll get more points at the end of the game. Tyler, how about yourself? What what type of game is this? Yeah, it's like a goal-seeking game in a sense where when you do draft those tiles, you are grabbing specific species and working towards the goals that are laid out. Uh, I believe they have three of each different type of animal that's there. And I believe there's five total species. <laughs> Ilya's uh, showing me hands. So I think maybe, I'm not sure. But I love that because it gives a little bit of variety to the game. Uh, you can switch back and forth between those cards and even just like focus in on a couple of the species to really create your uh, ecosystem the way that you think will score you the most points. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's four, and then the Kickstarter variant adds an additional one. Oh, so yeah, four, 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 four versions of each animal. Yes, correct. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's double back to the, the draft element quickly, because this isn't a regular draft. It's like something of a, a double draft, I guess, which I, I don't know that this is necessarily the first game that's done that. I know uh, some people have said Overboss has, has a similar uh, format, which I've not tried. 
so, but this, this is the first time I've experienced this sort of double draft where basically you've got four options any given time, four sets, and each set is one habitat tile and one animal tile that you're matching with that. The, the animal tiles going going on top of those habitat tiles. And so when you're, you're choosing the option from the draft, you have to take one or the other. Like what, you take both, basically, yeah. uh, in, into your action. It, it, it makes for a really interesting decision space. And I mean, immediately you're presented with compromises where the habitat tile you really want might come with a salmon and you don't want those salmon. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great mechanic. And the habitat tiles are hexes, so there's a hexagonal, and they can have one or two biomes on them. I, I believe two is the maximum, right? One or yep. two yeah. types of habitats. Yep. And the, the single habitat ones are special, and there's a little bonus that you get if you select those as well. I guess we'll touch upon that in a little moment. One of the endgame scoring bonuses is if you create the largest contiguous section of the same habitat contributes somewhat to your score mm-hmm. at the end of the game so that the habitats kind of want certain type of animals on them right they want one two or three animals right i think some of them I'm want three. One or three yeah yeah up to three yeah and maybe it's just your home tile that wants three i don't know yeah i think you can you can still only play one tile on top of each hexagon right. but um you have a choice of placing three different types of species yeah, and I think that adds to the challenge in a great way because um, going back to what Daniel said, because you're doing the double draft, you're not necessarily putting the animal you're taking on the tile you're taking, Yeah. right? You yeah. might be taking a, a habitat, adding it to your arrangement, and then taking an animal to immediately place somewhere entirely else in your arrangement, which is sort of a brain burn. <laughs> I find. Oh, yeah. a lot of thinking ahead and trying to plan for things to happen and often they don't happen so absolutely definitely burns your brain near the end where nothing works because you're trying to push it all towards that completion and succession but sometimes it just doesn't there is like a trip i I mean i think daniel talked about this already is that there's a bit of a trade-off too where you have to like do i want this tile or do i want this species and like I think there's a rule in the game where you can actually discard the species tile but truly you never want to be doing that because those get you points. Um, so yeah, I, I like that trade-off piece to the game. Well, I didn't, I didn't know about that, that rule, but that's good to know. <laughs> I've never been that deep in the hole. Like, like a way that I've had to discard that <laughs> animal. <laughs> well, you, you do get a, a little bit of flexibility in that. I mentioned there's those single habitat biomes because they're more limiting, I guess they throw you a bit of a bone. They give you something called this. What is it? Nature nature token? nature token. Yeah, I call, I call them acorns or pine cones. <laughs> yeah, they're pine cones, and um, I guess you get to collect them when you take one of those single habitat tiles, and you don't have to do anything with them right away. They might even be worth points at the end of the game. Yeah, they're worth uh, one point at the end of each right. Of the game. So you can you can just collect them if you wish, or the next time you choose to draft, you can choose to expand one and that lets you what it lets you wipe all of the animals i think i think you can yes. choose how many uh, any number of animals to wipe and, and right you can choose new ones. You can wipe a number of the animals or you can choose a mis- mismatched arrangement yeah. so you can choose a habitat tile from this column and an animal token from this other column that don't necessarily line up yeah so that gives you a bit of freedom 
and another layer of choice. And I really appreciated that <laughs> mechanism a great deal. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, It comes in handy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Let's talk about those um, goal cards a little bit more that Tyler, you brought up. So those goal cards, once again, um, in any given game, there's going to be one of them for each species, right? Because there's always the same set of species in each game. There's the five. I'm going to totally fail, but you'll fill in for me. There's the salmon, and then there's the elk, and then there's the hawk, yep. and then there's the fox, and then there's the... I don't know. Um, <laughs> you're, so you're so close. You're so close. <laughs> oh, it's the... It's the. Is it a like a bison or something? No, no. It starts no. with a B. It <laughs> It's it's a uh, big animal, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> B- buffalo. No, no. no. For, for, for getting colder. <laughs> not a bison. Not a buffalo. Uh, okay, I'm, this is just embarrassing now. Please help me. <laughs> it's a bear. Oh, those those yes. beautiful beautiful bears. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the five. So there's always those five, and these each of them can be those really basic to m- the most complex. It's interesting because you could play with all complex or all basic, but you could actually shuffle them up and get a different complexity for each animal, which further mixes things up. And that's what I thought was really um, challenging. Uh, The latest game that Daniel and I played online on on Tabletopia. And what do you guys think about the goal cards and how they they vary? I love them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I'll, I'll say particularly, I'm a big fan of the hawk goal cards. Yeah. I, I like the, the lines that you have to kind of create and the connections that you have to make between them. Um, and they all have like a certain, like, I guess, theme around what your goal is there. But I just, yeah, I like laying out five cards and then figuring out like, is this the way to maximize my scoring? Um, and how am I going to build around I usually try to build around one or two species. Uh, and yeah, I, I just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I think when That's we nice. first got it, we played every one of the set of cards once. So we did like all the letter A cards, all the letter Bs, and, and all of them. And then we mixed them and started mixing them around and playing them. And I think it does add so much to that replayability, but it also makes it, like Tyler said, very exciting to <laughs> decide like the strategy for this particular type of game. Because not only... Do you see maybe like this could be a really good way to get points if I focus here, but then if everybody else does that, how do you adapt to that and look at the other mm-hmm. animals? So it's almost like there's a secondary and tertiary way to look at how can you develop a strategy with the goals that you have, which definitely makes it exciting. And it's a game like we brought this game out to our table many, many, many <laughs> times. And we will again because it never oh, yeah. gets old from that aspect. Yeah, well, the, each animal has like the differences within each animal is quite subtle like there might only be mm-hmm. the, the number of salmon like the, the, the max number of salmon that you can have in a single group for example but the way they interact with each other it really cascades into a, a much broader <laughs> a much 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 broader uh sort of range of range of options there especially like the, the fox for example because it's so dependent on the other animals around it so the, the value of the fox yeah. is so dependent on what other cards come out and so there's this real calculation moment at the beginning okay so the fox is because this bird card came out now the fox isn't as valuable so maybe i'll focus yeah. on bears this time 
you know, I, I love the flexibility. I totally agree with you guys on on the um, goal cards. I think they add so much, and I love how thematic they are. The salmon's go on a salmon run. It's so so cute that way, and bears are whatever territorial, and they're prickly. They're so they, generally right. So <laughs> yeah. so 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 great because if it wasn't for that theme, I think this would be a really really dry sort of abstract game if it wasn't for that personification of those animals i was going to say the one criticism i might have of my recent experience is that because it's possible to get all of those goals early in the game you might feel like you're just befuddled at the beginning of what moves to make to sort of perfect your strategy right it gets easier as you put more tiles down obviously yeah yeah, I've, I've generally found that the game tends to be a little slower at the beginning as people try and figure out what they want to focus on because your, your options are so wide that you're still trying to find find your footing with that layout. And then maybe a little slow at the end when you, you're, trying, you're trying to nail down those final few points and maximizing everything. But in the middle, things pretty tend, I mean, at least for me, have tended to flow pretty quickly. I don't know if uh, you've had a similar experience uh, I think it depends on the tiles that come out because there's mm. there's been games where like I've been looking I'm like oh the hawk strategy is going to be so good here I'm going to make it happen there's already two or three hawks right off the bat but you just don't see any for like the next little bit and then you never get any more so you're almost forced to pivot and be like okay I have to do something else or find a different way to do it so I think it is really dependent on the tiles that come out because it is the luck of the draw for that yeah I think to that point too um, when you are drawing from the bag uh to refill the tiles i don't think at any point you go through every single tile or everything every single species tile so you're never gonna see all of the animals and i think that kind of just adds to your point mark uh where it can be tough to uh, get going i will say though that i do appreciate the mechanic where if there's three of the same species in the drafting that you can clear the board and then there's another way besides using those pine cones to uh, decide what kind of um, board you're going to start drafting. Right. Yeah. To, to your point, uh, Tyler, I think next time I'm going to try and focus on fewer of the goals at the same time. <laughs> I, I was trying to go for all five. And of course, that was my recipe for fail- failure. <laughs> I did badly at all five, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was Ilya saying that you generally want to be focusing on on one or two animals, but at the same time you also definitely need to be ready to pivot. It's very much a game about compromise. You're never mm-hmm. going to get the perfect layout. You, know, you have to decide when you're going to switch strategies or what 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 kind of compromise you're going to make. You're going to mm-hmm. choose to lose out on um, an optimal habitat to focus on animals or vice versa, for example. Yeah, and prioritizing definitely doesn't mean only doing like the one or two. Like you got to fill in a little bit from the other ones, especially when you have to adapt or get some of those too. So it's just primarily focusing on a couple to do really well in them, but then mm-hmm. still get a lot of, still get a few points from the other ones as well. Too. Right. I was just reminded of some Reiner Knizia designs like Lost Cities makes you kind of do that, right? You get your hand of your initial hand of cards and you, you think you're going to go all in on these two colors, but basically <laughs> the other guys holding the other colors but you don't know that they're holding the other colors, so you you have to you have to pivot, you have to adapt, right? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And I don't know if that was an intentional inspiration, but however however Randy handled it, he did a masterful job of mm-hmm. emulating that same feel. Well, perhaps that's a good time to perhaps talk about some of the, the comparisons to 
flat out other games. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty sure you, we've all here played Calico and Verdant yeah. as well. Uh, there's some really interesting distinctions to be made there in that Calico being such a constrained, tight game is because, because you're, you're the you basically playing tiles. You're placing hex tiles onto a board with preset locations, so your options are more more and more limited as the game goes on. So it comes down to the end of the game. Suddenly, there's only one place you can put that final tile. So whereas in Calico, your options are dwindling as the game goes on and is quite punishing. In Cascadia, your options are opening as the game goes mm. on, which is which is a really uh, fascinating dichotomy. I found. A hundred percent. Like the first thing I think of when I try to compare the two is, uh, I guess in short is like it's stress level (laughs) because Calico ramps up. It gets more and more stressful as you, as you play through the game. And then right at the end, like you're just crossing your fingers for the last tile. Whereas Cascadia, (laughs) although you might be trying to do um, the cross your fingers for the right tile, there are so many different things that are going on in your board to score you extra points that, uh, you can find a way to score points regardless of what is on the board kind of thing. It made me think of, uh, Dan, you were talking early about, or I think it was Mark that was talking about like this, how the theme is so well integrated here. It actually, uh, a thought came in my head of what if the themes in the two were reversed? <laughs> I feel like Calico is such a cozy and just right. really warm looking game. But then that brain burn and that punishing feeling <laughs> at the end when you don't get what you want, I feel could be better in Cascadia, where all of a sudden maybe a bear appears and then it scares you. <laughs> it eats all the instead, you can build a blanket freely. Cats could come, expand. It gets cozy as you go. Maybe they should have. Uh, it's like a. It's like an educational tale about conservation or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, I guess uh, Casca- um, Calico, I own it, but I haven't gotten it to the table yet. I guess it, it comes with the fact that it has a frame, doesn't it? Like you, yeah. you have a physical uh, boundary at which you have to uh, stop. And uh, uh, one design detail I appreciated about um, Cascadia is that you start at the center, but it has no defined uh, walls, right? It kind yeah. Even Verdant has a sort of King Domino style constraint, it's a, it's a right? Soft wall. <laughs> it's a soft wall. Like it yeah. ends at some point, but you decide where the edge is. Yeah, exactly. But Cascadia can really be a you know a J shape if you really wanted it to be right, or an S shape. So in in that sense, it's very free. Yeah. Forgiving, very, yeah, yeah. It lets you be creative, which I I, I, I like that a great the one, deal. The one thing I do like is that even mm-hmm. even though your map can't sprawl, the locations where you can put animals, there's only ever three possible locations to put animals. I guess four if you count the tile that you're just placing. So it never feels completely overwhelming. Like the, the, the decision mm-hmm. space isn't ballooning. Uh, so you, you always do have a little bit. You do have a, a somewhat of a little bit of focus to zero in on with the animals at least. It's yeah, a little is... bit of a step up from Calico where there's only three. Uh, Daniel, I like your comparison to Overboss as well, because it is very similar in that sense. We we played that game, and you do draft a tile, and you draft a little. Sometimes it's a minion, sometimes it's a gem <laughs> or a teleportation pad. But it's very in that, like, or a 90s-style video game mm. where you're looking at just building that, like, various world. And it is very, it's very quick. It's, I feel like it's Cascadia Light, if you were to compare the two, because it can play pretty quickly, but it's very exciting where it is, you're really limited to where you're placing things and how you're overlapping things. We're like, mm-hmm. similar to the animals going on tiles here as well. 
you are constrained in um, Overboss, though, because it's a you 4 are, by yeah. 4 or a 3 by 3 I think, or something like that. 3 by 4 or a 4 by 4 yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I've not played that one, but I've, I've been quite keen to, to compare it. I like at a glance, I'd, I assumed it was a much heavier game. I didn't realize the comparison was uh, the, the similarity to Cascadia was 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 there until recently. But uh, I'm quite keen to check that out. And that's by, also by a, a Canadian publisher, I believe. Otherwise, uh, I think. Otherwise, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's relatively new as well, right? Because it's um, isn't it an extension of the Boss Monster World? Is that right? Yes. Yes. yes yeah. I'm going to ask you guys one thing, uh, a critical point about the game that you might have, and then maybe let's say something nice about the game, and then I'm going to end with a funny question. Hopefully, hopefully you'll find it. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, maybe uh, starting with Tyler, what would you say would you uh, you know like to tweak about this game or maybe like to see in an expansion or something you'd like constructive criticism for Cascadia? I think my constructive criticism would actually be in the uh, goal, like the tile drafting piece, because it's nice that you can get rid of the animal tiles, but there are no way to get rid of the like habitat tiles. And I think sometimes that can put you in a hard spot where it's tough to make a decision. And if you don't have any pine cones, you're kind of stuck with what's there. And it would just be nice to be able to refresh both uh, the tiles and the habitats. Nice. And you, Ilya? Well, I, I knew Ty was going to say that, so I was thinking of a different <laughs> one. <laughs> um, I think for me, uh, the cherry on top that would make this game shine even more is if there is an ability to potentially move or shift animals once you've placed them. Because sometimes mm. you play one and then you just don't, it's just, it's not the right place. It's not the right time. Or even sometimes it's even an accident and you realize you've made a huge mistake of a clump. It'd be really neat to like maybe use a pine clone to either move or trade swap places with another one if conditions allow or just completely remove it even. Because I think that would, would have helped me in some of my games for sure. Super pine cone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. I'm going to give my criticism. I'm going to let Daniel go next. My uh, criticism would be with some of the scoring cards are a little confusingly written. And Tabletopia, I think when we last played, Daniel and I saw, might have had older rules. I think it was like a, from pre, pre-Kickstarter uh, artwork. Right. So okay. they need to update their assets for, for one. But I, I think even beyond that, some of the scoring goal cards are written in such a fashion that they're a little confusing and that you need to consult the PGG forums to work out exactly what uh, some of the combinations might have. So, you know, I wish that could have been clarified a bit. I found that a little bit frustrating. That's fair. Yeah, how about you, Daniel? There's not a lot more to say. There's not, there's not a lot to complain about in this game in general. Uh, one thing I, I know we discussed that we would, we would have liked to see is a little more interaction with the animals, for example. Like, maybe, maybe not wanting bears next to salmon, for example, because bears eat salmon obviously and having a bit more of that ecosystem uh food chain element to it perhaps just a little more interaction because i think as it is foxes is the only is the only animal that interacts with cares what it's next to so maybe a little more of that would would, would add an extra little um layer to it but uh, that's a that's a minor complaint (laughs) nice well now that we got our criticisms out of the way how about your favorite or uh, a thing you really liked about the game Uh, how about you Ilya? I think for me, it's one of those games that I can 
introduced to anybody. And like, those are always the games that win my heart because I can bring it out to my family or we can bring them out to our like weekly game group and play it and really enjoy it for different levels. And it's one of those games that I think people will play and want to come back to and also might draw them into the hobby as well to get them playing more games. Uh, it's a game we've used quite a lot as a new game as well for players just like Calico. <laughs> so well, those games always have a huge place in my heart. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ty? Yeah, um, I'd actually add on to that because similar to Calico, what um, Cascadia does is they outline like a campaign for you. Um, or like they set out goals where you have to try and get a certain amount of points, use these certain goals. And I really appreciate that even to the point where because we end up introducing it to a bunch of different people that like, I don't feel as if, um, I'm, I'm like, I'm not competing against them necessarily, but I'm trying to uh, compete against the uh, goals that they've laid out because these individuals are just learning how to play the game kind of thing. And yeah, anything with a campaign makes me want to <laughs> play it more and more and more because uh, both me and Ilya are like 100% uh, completion people. <laughs> Awesome. How about you, Daniel? Yeah, well, to, to build off Tyler's um, thought there, I mean, I've, I, I love the, the, the campaign as well, having that structure. But beyond that, the, you have so many ways to approach this game. Like, it's a fairly simple system, the, the mechanics overall, but you could play, so you could just set out random cards and play that way and try to go for a high score. You, could, I mean, it, it, I'm, this is just even just playing solo, for example, but you go for a high score, you could do the achievements. Like there is, there's a whole list of achievements, like get X score without having, without, without using a certain animal, for example, mm-hmm. uh, or there's the clear cut, uh, those scenarios. I think it's 10 or 12 scenarios where it's use you a preset of certain number of, of certain types of those scoring cards. And you have clear goals to work towards. You have to get X number of points and maybe X points from Bear specifically. Uh, and so between those, so many different ways to play, basically customize how, what, what motivates you as a gamer? Is it chasing a high score? Is it clear win-loss conditions? I mean, for me, it's very much the latter. So I, I, I love those those scenarios. But you really can approach this game in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the solo campaign. I know that you've been doing running a little solo challenge now. Do you want to give us a little insight into <laughs> into that before we move on to the next part? Well, it's actually on um, on Board Game Geek. Someone has started up a, a solo challenge uh, as of last month, I think, and they're slowly working through those those scenarios where you basically if, in October we're all doing scenario one and post your scores to compare. And it's, it's, that's an extra way of, of keeping everyone motivated and uh and, and give a little a little guidance so I've, I've done both of my my scores this last couple of months and i've I finally cracked that magical 100 score <laughs> it was a long time coming hey. <laughs> nice i'm gonna give my uh positive about the game really quickly i think it builds upon what a lot of you guys have been saying the i like the customizability of the game with COVID and everything i've had to i've had the pleasure of playing a lot of games with my family who who has younger you know younger kids being a part of it and i like the fact that with those goal cards i can really customize a game that i could play specifically with them so i can play a lighter you know a little bit milder challenge um, but i can mix and match it so that it's suitable for their age and you know maybe i'll just randomize the first couple of rounds of goal cards uh, just so that there's a little bit more variety and can still get 
uh, fun, uh, you know, age appropriate uh, game setting for them. So that I appreciate a lot. And uh, yeah, just the variety that comes out of that is fantastic. So to wrap it up, I'm just going to introduce a brand new segment. It's It'll only exist for this episode. It's humorous animal terms that arose from playing the game Cascadia <laughs> is the name of the segment. And I'm going to start us off, try and think of a, a funny uh, animal phrase or terminology that came out of it. So example, when there are too many uh, hawks out on display, you might be flipping the birds when you get rid of them. So that would be... Uh, one one term when you're clearing the birds out of the way. So that that's my first example, flipping the birds. Um, Daniel, I think you you might have one or two in mind. Well, you literally stole mine since I turned that last game. <laughs> but um, I mean, we we we're a big fan of the the the, the, the prairie salmon, the inf- infamous prairie salmon. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that's internet famous. <laughs> BGG famous, perhaps. Uh-huh. Do you guys have any um, funny uh, animal terms that came up while you were playing Cascadia? Uh, I like the I like the bear one. So if somebody has way like way too many bears on the board, you can peek over and be like, "Wow, your uh, habitat's looking a little bare." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't beat that. I think on point. Yeah, I don't have any none come to mind. I did <laughs> call the elk the wrong time for the whole game and drove Ty crazy. Uh, every time. So I, so I called him the moose or something like that. <laughs> you, you would, the, it wasn't even like you would stick to moose. You would interchange between moose and deer. <laughs> and you would never say deer, elk. Deer what like. <laughs> <Yeah>. Which is it? <laughs> Sometimes it just comes into my mind and it just stays there. So. The deer did. I had a couple more written down. Touching the salmons. I don't know why that really struck me as really role. funny. <laughs> Touching the salmons, I just thought was hilarious. F- flushing the foxes was pretty funny. Just, you know, nice. some alliterative action going on. Flipping the birds, so you can't really beat that. No, I like that one. Flipping the birds, definitely the winner. Or a hawk, yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Hawk, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. That I think that takes the cake. Uh, that should I have actually been a had that add on, like a book of puns to go along with the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it does say a lot of the thematic touches are there that you can draw those those, those connections though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there you go, Randy. Randy Flynn, you got some free uh, expansion <laughs> advice from this astute panel of four uh, playtesters. <laughs> I actually had one question for Ilya and Tyler. That I was just watching your um, the, the four things you love about Cascadia, and uh, most of my experience from this game is solo. I've only played a little bit multiplayer, but you were specifically talking about once you were familiar with the game, really looking at each other's boards and getting. Sound, it sounds I, I sensed a bit of a, a rivalry there. <laughs> like how how aggressive do you get with like the heat drafting and everything in this game? <laughs> well, I think oh, it's I will do it all the time. <laughs> you will. Thank I'm guilty. You. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's kind of what I was saying earlier is like all of us, if all of us go for one strategy, you can tell that like we all need the bears to make this happen. It's kind of like to see where that line of tension is. Who's going to cave first? Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there's mine. Bears and cave. That's my pun. Got it. Who's going to cave first and go for a different strategy? That definitely gets a little bit once you've played with a few folks that play the game. So, yeah. The hate drafting thing especially comes up like for me at the at the end of the game. I'll like peer over to Ilya's board, and if he's like 
focused on the bears, for example. And I think most of them, you either have to make pairs or like triplets. Um, if he's got a pair there and there's a bear just sitting there, <laughs> I will, de- I would a hundred percent take it. Um, because yeah, there's, there's no way I'm letting him score like an extra 10 points. <laughs> bears, bears are very much an all or nothing scoring, I guess. So yeah, break exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hurts me. Oh, very nice. I think we got to play a game, the four of us, at some point, it sounds like now. That would be lovely. Yeah, let's make it happen. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Billy and Tyler. You have the honor, perhaps you're infamous now, for being the first (laughs) guests on our show. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you guys have anything you'd like to plug. What's coming up for Covery? Well, we've just celebrated our one-year anniversary, so we have a lot of really fun videos on that that you can check out, such as um, we did a little tour of our space, but we also talked about like some individuals that may not enjoy games as much and how you can maybe sway them over and definitely what not to do to sway them over. So a little bit of a <laughs> comedy kind of sketch there. Uh, but other than that, we have a couple of reviews coming up. You can check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we post videos there on a weekly basis where we just explore all of the board games that we can because we're pretty much omni gamers as well. There's nothing that we don't like. <laughs> so we love exploring the vast genres and trying to dive into a little something that we don't know and push yourself out of our comfort zone. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And if you're going to be at PAX U and uh, want to play some games, definitely let us know. Hit us up on our Instagram, Twitter, or anything, and we'd love to hear from you because this is our first convention that we'll be going to. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. very jealous that you get to go out there. Have have fun. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm hope I know it will be a blast. I just have to <laughs> we just have to get there. <laughs> Excellent. Best of luck, and I think that you guys, uh, your channels, various channels, are definitely worth checking out. You have some great content there, so. Our listeners should definitely follow them there. Uh, and for us at the Omni Gamers Lab podcast, we should announce that our next uh, video game that we're going to be tackling is going to be not a brand new game, but it's from a series that's really uh, at the top of a lot of people's conversations right now. It's a game um, called Halo 4, <laughs> two Halos ago. Uh, you can check out. We're going to be playing Halo 4 and giving our thoughts about that title. Nice. Yeah, it's very... Uh, obviously, Halo Infinite has it just came out in multiplayer and the, the, the campaign, I guess, is coming out in a couple of weeks. So that's it's very hot right now. But we're, as, as always, not at the, the front of the... <laughs> the, the, the Look at the conversation. So we're going a few a few years back, <laughs> and I think I think I, I played all of the all, all of the Halo games, but Mark is uh, has a little bit of catching up to do. I stopped at Halo Three, so this is I requested that Daniel let me catch up, and that's our compromise. <laughs> so maybe we'll get to Halo Infinite in in a few years. <laughs> there you go. Infinite span of time between now and then. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. That was so much fun. Yes, thank you again for having us. And until next time, keep on playing those games. Game, game that's, that's on, a, game, 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 game. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.